Good morning. So this morning is a bit different in that in a couple of minutes, we're going to hear from our senior pastor, Mike Glenn, who is um, the pastor at Brentwood Baptist Church. And if you'll refer to your worship bulletin, I'm going to read for you if you've never noticed it. Maybe you have our multi-campus model in the orange on the second page at the bottom. The explanation of our multi-campus model is that the church at Harpeth Heights is a regional campus of Brentwood Baptist Church. Together, our multiple campuses make up one church with one mission. We share resources and staff and governance so each of our campuses can work together to fulfill our mission in our Middle Tennessee communities. And that's actually perfectly written to explain what is going on here and, and, and the connection we have here at the church at Harpeth Heights with Brentwood Baptist Church and the six other congregations that make up um, this network of churches. And so we're going to hear from Mike this morning. We do this once a year where he really hones in on what the vision is for our eight campuses. Specifically, though, we will, after he speaks on the screen, we will look more closely at what our context is here. But I want you to understand that I... You know, I've been doing this for seven months now, and this is the model that I signed up for, and it has been a blessing so far to, to learn from Mike, to be around the other pastors, to be involved with the other churches. I think Susan would say the same, um, the, the way we network um, and, and share resources and, and do this together, and we want that to be the case for all of us as uh, members. We are a membership. We belong to one another for very specific purpose. So that the gospel of Jesus Christ can advance. So that the kingdom of God, which is coming to earth already, can do so even more so. That it can spill out from here into our communities. So um, listen up as Mike blesses us with, um, with this message. And then I'll try to fill in some gaps for us here. Good morning. I'm Mike Glenn, senior pastor of Brentwood Baptist Church, and for those of you that I haven't had a chance to get to know personally, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us here on this Vision Sunday with all of our campuses. We do this a couple of times a year just to keep uh, everybody on the same page and remind everybody, hey, this is where we're going, and we're all going to the same place. Now, we may use kind of different ways to get there. Each campus is unique. Each campus has its own context, and therefore it has its own unique challenges and goals. But together, we have one destination. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I know you want to know, hey, Mike, where is Brentwood Baptist Church going? Well, before we talk about that, let's talk about where we are. Where are we right now? You know, anytime you turn on the software, the software wants to be able to use your location. Google wants to use your location. Dropbox wants to use your location. It seems that none of our apps can work unless they first know where we are. Maybe that's a good lesson for us. Maybe the first thing we need to know is where are we? Well, we're not where we thought we were. Now, I know you're going to say, hey, Mike, how can we be anywhere different? We're standing right where we were. Well, you know, we're like the person who went to the parade and we found a great spot on the end of the street. And when the parade comes by, we're at the beginning of the parade. But as the parade goes by and ends, now we're at the end of the parade. You're at the beginning. Now you're at the end. But you're standing in the same place, but you're in two very, very different places. A lot has changed 
in Middle Tennessee while we were doing all of our campuses. While God was opening up doors in all kinds of ways throughout Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee was going through one of its most drastic changes in the history of Middle Tennessee. How so? Well, we're continuing to grow. As you know, Nashville is now the it city, whatever that means. Only thing we can figure out is that more people from around the nation are coming here. They're coming here from California, Colorado, New York, Illinois, and they're all getting on the interstate at the same time. Now, what does that mean? What have I just told you? Now, if you're a lifelong Southern Baptist like I am, I have just listed areas that we called pioneer areas. You know what that means? It means there weren't many Southern Baptists in those areas. So these people are now coming here to Nashville, what you and I would consider the buckle of the Bible belt. They're coming here, but for the same reasons we do. They like the school systems. They like the safety. They like the beauty. They like the weather. But they're not looking for church, not even thinking about it. It's not on their mind at all. See what I mean? Standing in the same place, but finding ourselves in a very, very different place. We're not where we thought we were. Studies tell us that in the next few years, 30 to 40 million young adults will leave the faith. They will leave home, they will go to college, and they will disenfranchise from the Christian faith. We're not where we thought we were. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that we don't panic. I know it's post-Christian. I know we're worried about our nation and Judeo-Christian values and all of that. But listen, the church of Jesus Christ has been here before. And what did we do? Here's what the church did before. It refocused on prayer. It's not up to our strategies. It's not up to our planning. There's some times that only the Spirit of God can affect the change that we need to see. Only the Spirit of God can bring the power that we need to happen in this place or that place. And it only happens in spiritual warfare. It's interesting that Paul tells the Ephesians to put on the full armor of God. And then the next thing he says, pray. Put on the full armor of God. Then pray. Why? Because the battle is fought in prayer. Now I know you're waiting for me to say, hey, we're going to meet every Wednesday night. We're going to pray. We're going to meet every Tuesday morning. Pray. I have done that my entire life. I've called the people to pray. We've had prayer meeting after prayer meeting. We've opened doors. We've said, and I'm done. I'm not doing that anymore. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Until the people of God get serious about prayer, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to change. Now, can I schedule a time for prayer? Yeah. But what I can't do is break your heart for a lost nation so that prayer is your only option. What I can't do is force you to call your friends and say, listen, I'm so broken over this. Can we meet before we go to work and pray? Can we meet after we get home? Do you want to meet Saturday morning? Do you want to meet Friday morning? When it's driven by you and your heartache and your compassion for your lost friends and lost neighbors, then we'll see a change. Now, we'll open up all of our facilities anytime you want us to. But I'm waiting for you to have your heart broken. That's where it starts. When the church has a broken heart and rediscovers prayer, when the church rediscovers the scripture. Now I know you're saying, Hey, Mike, we carry Bibles all the time. You can't walk five feet in our, any of our churches without seeing a Bible. Do you know about 30% of the people in church never read the Bible? 
Oh, they read this book and that book. They go to self-help and they'll buy that book and that author. What they won't do is read God's word, meditate on it, pray over it. That's what keeps the church alive. That's what keeps us vital. That's what marks us as different, is God's wisdom flowing in our lives. Out of that recommitment to prayer, out of that recommitment to scripture comes a recommitment to each other to a brotherhood, to a sisterhood, to a fellowship that says, hey, we're all on this journey together and we are responsible to each other and responsible for each other. John Wesley called it holiness groups where brothers and sisters would get together and say, how are you doing? Are you in the scriptures? Are you in prayer? What are you learning from the Lord? What's he teaching you? Where's he leading you? What's he doing in and through you? The great movements, that's what started the orphanages the hospitals, the colleges. It all happens when God's people get serious about their relationship with God. Our mission statement, engaging the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Now, who's going to do all of that? You are. We can't hire enough people to do all of the ministry and mission that God is going to open up for us. We were never intended to. God did not call a group of professionals to do his work. He called his church. People like you, people just like you, across history, across time, were anointed by God, touched by God to do significant works. Remember, Jesus promised us that we would do greater things than he did. Now, just think about that. What's opening up for us is a greater ministry than Jesus had. That's what he wants for us. That's what he wants for me. It's what he wants for you. To be able to walk in a dead community and bring people back to life. Help children find their purpose. Help individuals know their identity and destiny in him to make that difference. The first reformation gave the Bible back to the people. The second reformation is giving ministry back to the people. That's you. So here's what you're going to see in this coming year. You're going to see an emphasis on worship. Most people will give us one hour on Sunday. That means the worship hour has to be the time where we drive the central message in everybody's life. From that, we want it to flow out to groups in your neighborhoods, in your communities. It's interesting, but your lost friends won't come to church. They'll come to your house. And then when they get to know you, they may eventually come to church. But you know, in this new future... A lot of these people we reach in house churches will never, ever enter a sanctuary. They'll come to your house. That's where church will happen for them. So you're going to see us working on identifying and training leaders and making sure that every street, every neighborhood, every community, every town, every county in Tennessee has a place where someone can find Jesus, where somebody knows how much they're loved, where they know how much Jesus is looking for them. Now, you're looking at me going, well, you know, Mike, that's really not a complicated plan. No, it's not. It's simple. It's not easy. But it's simple. It's the same plan that Jesus gave his disciples. Reach Jerusalem, reach Judea, reach Samaria, then go to the ends of the earth. Nothing has changed. Everything has changed. We're standing in the same place, but standing in some place very, very different. 
We've been here before. And this is what we did. We prayed. We found the scripture again. We found each other again. And we found our God is still working, still looking for those who are lost, broken, wounded. And he's calling us to do the same. Here's what I'm looking forward in this coming year. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for you to be in a place where you see God work in such a powerful and overwhelming way that you can't wait to get to worship service so you can celebrate with God's people what you saw, what God did. I'm looking for the time when I'll stand up to preach, but someone will stand up and say, Pastor, I know you're ready to preach the sermon, but can I tell you what I saw Jesus do this past Thursday? And testimony after testimony after testimony happens in our churches Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I never preach. You do. First Reformation gave the Bible back to the people. The second Reformation is giving ministry back. I can't tell you how excited I am that God is trusting us with this moment. Join us. Find your place. God is up to something. Make sure you're in the middle of it. And now, here's your pastor to tell you what this is going to look like in your context. I don't care to follow that. (laughs) But I must. Matthew 22. Turn there with me, please. We will use other texts over the next four weeks, but this one will be our base and will guide us. Beginning in verse 34, the text reads, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him, Jesus. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So over the next three weeks, we'll be looking at specifically what we can do with our heart, with our mind, and with our soul, and how that spills out into our communities, as I mentioned before from each of us, and then collectively from this body, from this particular faith family that's set in this time and place for a very specific reason. And and Mike's admonition at the end about what he's looking for and what he's excited about, I echo that. I echo everything he just said, but particularly that at the end, because I believe in you. Not because, in me, I believe in me too. And not because we are good enough or smart enough or you know, specially capable. It's because of God and God's character and who God is and what God has promised. And, and, and we're not too small or not smart enough or not in the perfect location. There's nothing holding us back from being exactly who God is calling this faith family to be. 
And so over the next three weeks, um, I'm going to do my best to encourage us about who God is calling us to be in this time and place for this season. And I pray that you will be excited about who God is calling you to be. That you will feel adequate, much more than adequate actually, that you will feel like God can use you in amazing ways and use this church in amazing ways. I knew I was called to be a pastor when I couldn't stop thinking about whether or not a person knew Jesus when I met them. Now, my prayer is, is that we will all feel that way, and maybe we do. But I want your heart to break for people who do not have the hope that you have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I trust that that is why you gather here each week. I trust that you believe it and that you desire for others too, because you do. So we're going to look at how we're, yes, how we're wired and how Jesus calls us out into our community. We're going to look at what specifically we're called to do as a congregation. We're, we're using some pretty fancy alliteration to help you understand that and, and lean into that with the word gospel and groups and go. And we'll unpack that a little bit over the next three weeks. But just know that I will be praying for you and that I believe very strongly that God has a powerful plan for us to love one another well and to take the love that we have for one another founded in, the God, in Jesus into our community so that people who do not yet know Jesus can. Something pretty cool happened this week to me. We have, um, and this is coming right off of two weeks of technology sermons, so I'm being a hypocrite by saying this, but we have a, an old iPad that has become the family iPad, and it has its own um, account. And so our 11-year-old is, is primarily using this. It's, it's Howell, and they're, they're all out of town today, so I can talk freely about them. Um, and this morning, I got a, I got a text from my boy. And I, you know, this is new to me and I, some of you have experienced this and I don't know that there's anything cooler in the world than getting a text message from your 11 year old son. Did you have fun last night, dad? I don't even know if he knew what I did last night. I went and had dinner with a couple that I'm officiating their wedding. I, I, I was away from them cause I came home from the beach and they're there and it's fall break next week and. I don't know that he knew I did that or not, but he wanted to know if I had fun last night. That's awesome. Some emotional maturity from my 11-year-old. That's somebody reaching out to me, asking me how I'm doing. It felt really good. And I had a, message, a, a conversation through text message with my kid. It was great. When's the last time somebody asked you if you had fun last night? How you're doing? What you care about? what you're passionate about. Who you're investing your time with. What you're investing your time in. Like I said, we're going to be accountable to one another and for one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. We weren't made to be on an island. And you've been called out of that to this faith family to be a part of something that can literally change the world. Because of what God desires to do through us. 
when we commit to living a whole life the whole way. I am praying for y'all to do that. Know that I am praying for you. Some of you may not have heard me talk about, at least a couple of times at this point, my good friend, the sparrow that lives outside of my house. It's a nine pound sparrow and it doesn't fly. It just waddles around, which is why it's nine pounds. And I, the first time I met my friend, the sparrow, if you remember, if you've heard me tell you about him, I asked him what he was doing. And he said, well, he was walking. And I said, well, why aren't you flying? And he said, well, why would I do that? I could get hurt. And I said, well, what's your name? And he said, church. There's nothing that should be holding us back. Nothing. We have the power of God at our disposal, as Mike reminded us. We will do greater things than even Jesus did. Jesus said, that blows my mind. But it's in the text. Commit to prayer with one another and for one another. Commit to being in the word. We've got a Bible reading group for you or we will help you start one. And love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. This text will help us over the next few weeks dig deep and unpack that. Because God has called us to be so, so much more than a nine-pound sparrow. Let's pray.